This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Welcome to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo, and we don't know what the weather's going to be like on Sunday. That's what makes this one so much fun. That's literally the title of the episode. It's always game day in Buffalo, and we don't know what the weather's going to be like Sunday in Buffalo. And we don't know what the weather's going to be like in Buffalo. I've even talked to our meteorologist at Channel 7, and everybody has a different opinion on it. It's like, oh, it's going to be really, really bad. Oh, it's only going to be kind of bad. It's not going to be like it was against the Colts in 2017. There's so much up in the air. Yep. I probably already should have introduced us, but I'm Matt Povey with Channel 7. That's Sal Capaccio with WGR, Bill Sideline Reporter. We were at practice on Wednesday, Sal. There were two big talking points. One, the weather. Two, how does this team end its losing streak? But the weather is way more fun to talk about. Yeah, because it's so um, unpredictable. I think the losing streak is pretty straightforward. Everybody tells you stop turning the ball over, right? I mean, like that's the answer. What's the weather answer? We don't know. We don't know what this looks like. So let's just kind of lay it out for everybody. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully, you know, as soon as you get up on Thursday, Thursday afternoon, you're hearing this as of Wednesday night, when Matt and I are recording this podcast, the game is still on at 1 PM Sunday in orchard park, New York. Could that change? Yes. Have we heard anything about it possibly changing? Not to my knowledge, Matt, maybe you have, Sean McDermott said he hasn't heard anything, but of course they're in contact with the league offices. And of course, Erie County government officials, can they get essential services to the stadium? Will they have uh, streets plowed people getting to the stadium? All those things are going to factor in Kevin Stefanski of the Browns was asked about it. He said, as far as he knows, everything's still on. They're going to try and travel in here. I do wonder about the Browns getting here, by the way, on Saturday, I think that's going to be an issue. Um, But as far as we have been told, we have heard, and like you just said, you've talked to meteorologists and things like that. I have not heard anything about the game being moved, postponed or whatever as of yet. That is as of Wednesday. I don't, I don't think it's going to get moved. I just, I just don't. I think logistically what about time? it's more what about like time, like eight, seven o'clock, eight o'clock. That's, like that. that's the thing that I think could change. But right. that being said, once again, sports reporter, but yeah. I was talking to the meteorologists and they were saying that the buff that it looks like right now, it's going to shift South and kind of scatter Sunday afternoon. So if it's going to do that, it depends on when it happens Sunday afternoon. Cause if that happens early in the day and it is happening during the game, then you're probably fine. If it happens later in the day, then maybe you want to, or excuse me, vice versa. If it happens late in the day, you'd probably want to just keep the game at one o'clock. If it's going to happen at one right. o'clock, then maybe you move the game back a little bit. Also, if the Browns are having a hard time getting into the area, maybe you move the game until four o'clock because it gives them a little bit of time to get in. They could always even leave the morning of, I know that's not ideal at all, right. but that being said, they could, if that's going to be their only option, Maybe they even make it like a Sunday night game or something. I just don't think any of that's going to happen. And I know a lot of people are asking about Detroit because it makes sense because the bills are going to play their next game in Detroit. I just think that I just think that's far-fetched. I don't think that's happening. I agree. And I'll tell you part of the reason, obviously it couldn't be Monday because they play Thursday. They're, they're not moving the game to Monday and then playing a Thursday Thanksgiving game. I don't think they're moving two games. So moving this game and then the next game off Thanksgiving, big window for the NFL. And just then you start creating more ripple effects problems. But the other reason why is Matt, if you can't get into Buffalo, you also have 
problems getting out of Buffalo. If you move the game to Detroit on a Sunday, when they did it in 2014, they made it Monday night to give everybody time to get out. I mean, you'd have logistical issues of getting people out of here, getting equipment there, getting um, all of your staff and everything you need for a game. It just seems really far-fetched, like you said, but you know, we'll stay on top of it and see what happens. I do think it's possible the team, the time gets changed based on everything that you just said. Um, we don't know, but I would tell you if the bills had to play Sunday night, that's also, I would think the team felt feel would feel that's a disadvantage, disadvantage. for them because they have to play Thursday at 12 30 PM. You know, it would be super fun. It's not going to happen. This is just like a pie in the sky thing. I love the idea of a weird time game happening just because it would be fun and more memorable. I would love that they're able to like get in Saturday, but the weather forecast is bad in the afternoon on Sunday. So they play the game at like 10 a.m., like a 10 a.m. game on Sunday morning. Like it's a game over in London or Germany <laughs> or something, but it's just actually an Orchard Park. And then we're all done by 1.30 and it's great. That would be awesome, but it's going to probably just be a normal one o'clock game because I do think from everything that I've heard, everything that I've read, the people I've talked to, it seems like the worst of this is going to be Friday, Saturday, yeah. and then Sunday it's going to start to disperse. So, so we could see like lots of snow in Orchard Park but not on the field during the game. Maybe like it might be snowing during the game, which makes it for a regular football game. Essentially. Exactly. That's the thing. I mean, of course they're concerned with people getting to the stadium with the team, getting to Buffalo and all of that kind of stuff. That being said, if it's okay on Sunday, then there's really no concerns here. You know what I mean? They'll have the field cleared off by then it'll snow again, but it'll be cleared for a little bit. All right. So you talked about the, um, a couple storylines at at practice on Wednesday, obviously the weather and then the losing streak. And that is something the bills are trying to turn around here. Turnovers are the big talking point, but also Mm -hmm. getting healthier. And there is news from practice. Five players on Wednesday did not practice with a non COVID related illness. Hopefully they're all okay. Hopefully it's more just precaution to keep them away from everybody else. You don't have 10, 15 guys getting sick on Thursday, but it is very notable. The bills were not able to have a normal practice, but they did have, Jordan Poyer back. They did have Kyer Elam back um, missing guys, getting guys back. This is something too, that this team has to kind of monitor throughout the week and, you know, see what they can get back. The big one is Jordan Poyer. If he can play this week, that would be a really big boost because Matt, I think they, it's starting to show up now. They really do have safety issues. Uh, if Jordan Poyer played against the Vikings, that ball hits the ground and they probably Great. win that game. So that's one obvious answer for that. And the other thing that we haven't even mentioned, it was the biggest talking point last week, but Josh Allen was the limited at practice on Wednesday from what we were able to watch. He was in the sleeve covering the elbow and the arm on his right arm. We did not see him throw a ball. He was going through individual drills. He basically did the entire drill. And then when it was time to throw, he just kind of held on to it. Based off of him playing on Sunday, and it doesn't seem like there were any setbacks or anything like that, I think this is almost going to be status quo for the next little bit. I think it's going to be limited on Wednesday, probably limited on Thursday, regardless of what happens. Unless he has a setback, I'm fully expecting that Josh Allen, regardless of his practice status, will be out there playing in every game that they play. Yeah, I agree with you. And the point that on Sunday, he did not come out early for warmups was a talking point. Why was it? You know, why wasn't he out there? He said it makes sense. It was just no reason to throw extra footballs, really. So he came out a little bit later and, you know, that was the routine that he had. And I think that's probably what we're going to see going forward. All right. The other one is Tredavious White. That's a big Uh, one. Sean McDermott was asked Monday about Tredavious. He said he was asked by Jace Kersky of the Buffalo News specifically, is it physical or mental? He said, I'm not going to get into physical or mental. And then added, he's going to play when he's ready to play. Basically, he's not in a position where he's ready to play. Um, it's trending towards me, like the way Sean talks, that this is more on Tredavious' side of thing, things than the teams. But Sean's going to protect his players. He's not going to throw them under the bus. He's not going to criticize them. I'm not even saying that he's upset. But it, he, when he answered the question on Wednesday, he did say it's a team effort. It just seems to me like this might be more on when Tredavious is ready than it is anything else because, Matt, he is a full participant and cleared health-wise. And he mentioned, Sean, there was a little hidden hints at hidden hints. That sounds so stupid. He mentioned, he was like, okay, so specifically asked about him. He said, okay, eventually you got to go from here. Then you got to take the next step and you got to keep working yourself up to the point when you feel like you're ready to go. But eventually you just need to go. I'm paraphrasing, but he said that. And right there is when we've talked about this a lot, but right there was the moment when I was like, he's talking about 
Trey having to be like, okay, it's time to go. Then the follow-up question to that was from Chris Brown. And it was, is this a Trey decision? Is this a you decision? Like, how does this work? Is it just Trey tells you that he's good and then he's out on the field? And then he just said, it's a group effort and then moved on to the next thing. So I do think that this is starting to become a much bigger concern than we anticipated it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I also don't see a scenario where if it's going to be any kind of bad weather on the field on Sunday, that they would trot Trey white onto the field. And then you're talking about Thanksgiving to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a day earlier, so it's not a full year, but I mean, he was hurt in a dome in a Thanksgiving game. And then if the weather's bad, maybe I just don't see that either. I just think mentally, he may was, say like, I, yeah, that's the too vibes. Much. That's what I mean. Like the vibes. And, and it's also the, the slip turf. They've been talking about. That mm-hmm. Detroit has that turf that's been, you know, talked about by a lot of players with the NFLPA. I would like to push back a little bit on one thing, though. You just said that about, and I agree with you about the, the, the wet field conditions in Buffalo. But Matt, if it's not the medical and coach's decision, I don't think they would hold him back. It's still on Tredavious then. It might be, hey, get out there. Like, you, it, it doesn't matter what the conditions are. We, you are cleared when you are ready. And they may say, like, it's not up to us, and we're not going to hold you back from wet conditions. We think you can play in any condition. Yeah, but why wouldn't they have done that against the Vikings if that's ultimately what it is? Because, like we said, maybe it's his decision. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But if if you're Trey White, I don't think that you're making the decision to play now as opposed to last Oh, I agree with that. I agree with that. What I'm saying is, though, I wouldn't put it on – the way you phrased it earlier was that uh, they, yeah. would, they would hold him back. I'm saying uh-huh. I don't think they're holding him back in any regard from what I, I see. Don't, I think it's more about him holding himself back. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think that they're like, okay, right. not, as, not as harsh as this, but like TikTok, you've got a 53-man roster spot now. Like, let, let's see out on the field. Just to and be clear, he looks good in practice to all of us, right? He's he right, looks he's great. He looks no different than he oh. looked at any point in his career. Heck, he might look better than he did for a while. He looks like he came back in unbelievable shape. I thought that in August, I remember watching him practice in August, not practice, but like work off, work out off to the side and be like, oh, th- there's a chance this guy plays like early. We talked about it in some of the podcasts yeah. and they put him on IR and you're like, okay, well, you know what? Just take your time getting him back. You're not worried about now. Pop, you're worried about the pop. playoff run and all that stuff. Pop. Yeah. Yep. And then, yeah, then this happens. It's, it's just a weird, weird, weird scenario. All right. So uh, we have a guest coming up, Daryl Ryder from it's always game day in Cleveland. Just one little thing to tie up here and to put a bow on this. The bills also did open the 21 day window for Marquez Stevenson to start practicing on Wednesday, wide receiver, punt returner, kick returner, maybe another indication. They're still trying to get more speed on the field after trading for Naeem Hines, activating Duke Johnson. We'll see uh, where that goes. Daryl Ryder from it's always game day in Cleveland and our Odyssey sister station, the fan in Cleveland. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from it's always game day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things, Buffalo bills right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, joining us now from Odyssey in Cleveland, 92.3 The Fan, the Browns beat reporter, also a host. You can hear him in there doing a lot of different things. It's Daryl Ryder, at FAN on Twitter. Daryl, always good to talk to you, man. Thanks for doing this with us tonight. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. So um, this is a game that's going to be kind of reminiscent to a lot of people of the 2007 Bills-Browns snow game in Cleveland. What was your role at the time? Were you in the business? Were you covering the Browns at the time? Were you going to games as a fan? What were you doing? I covered that game. I remember okay. that game. I remember that game like it was yesterday. The Browns, of course, won uh, eight to nothing. Uh, Phil Dawson hit a, a two improbable field goals because it was it was a blizzard. Yes. I mean they they were using brooms 
shovels, <laughs> leaf blowers, anything they could to clear the, the the markers. So they knew like where the actual football field was because it was so covered in snow. Uh, and, and it's probably the greatest field goal that I've ever witnessed. Phil Dawson boomeranging home, a 49 yard field goal. That's literally skid across the crossbar and took a bunch of snow with it <laughs> as it went through. And then of course, uh, the safety, the, the, the snap that went over the punter's head, uh, and he had to frantically scramble, uh, and, and kick it out of the end zone. So, yeah, I mean, that was a, a wild, wild game and looks like the bills get to host their own version of a snowball. Yeah, it's unbelievable that there are so many stinkers between these two teams and they don't even play each other that often that I had to think back to which stinker you were talking about because at first I thought it was the 6-3 game and then I'm like, no, yes. not the 6-3 game, the 8 nothing game, not to be confused. Daryl, what's the general vibe right now in Cleveland? Because obviously I know the Deshaun comeback is going to take a lot of the attention, but up until that point, what have you seen from the team this far into the season? Well, I mean, they're just wildly inconsistent. The offense has certainly done their part to help them win games, but it's unfortunately not been enough. And the defense just has not been what many people expected. They finished last year so strong after the Patriots took them to the woodshed in Foxborough. They just somehow flipped the switch and they ended the season really, really strong while the offense with a beat up Baker Mayfield was just kind of limping to the finish, so to speak. Whereas, you know, this year, God, they, you know, they, they blew a game against the jets in week two. They were up uh, 30 to 17. Nick Chubb scores the, the, the touchdown. And you're thinking, thinking that just the ice is the cake. And the defense just completely caves. You got to blame the special teams unit a little bit too, because they couldn't recover an onside kick, which is like football one oh one with today's rules. It's it's just it's an aberration when onside kicks get recovered today because of the way uh, the, the rules are written. So they blew that game. They come back, they beat the Steelers. They go to Atlanta, they blow that game. Um, and the run defense, that was the first time the run defense really fell apart. The Falcons just ran it right down their throat, 10 play touchdown drive in the third quarter, allowed Atlanta to really take control of that game. Uh, the chargers came in with one of the worst r- rushing, uh, uh, numbers in the league. They run it down the Browns throat Four of the last six games. The Browns have allowed, uh, 150 plus yards on the ground. And not surprisingly, they're zero and four in those games. So it's just the the, the you know, New England took it to them. Uh, that was really the only bad game Jacoby Brissett has played. He had a couple of interceptions and a fumble. Um, but if you would have told me going into the season, guys, that nine games in Jacoby Brissett's only going to cost you one game with his play, right? Yeah, right. Gonna- Sign me up for that yesterday. Mm. So it is really disappointing that this team comes in now three and six, their season's basically over because they've got five losses within the AFC. The Ravens are about to run away with the AFC North again. So there's really no mathematical equation out there other than everybody in the AFC goes in the tank down the stretch and the Browns almost went out. I, you know, to get to, they can lose one more game. Uh, of their remaining games. And let's be honest about it. Based on what I've seen through nine games, there is no way that is happening. And I think going into the season, it was, Hey, let's stay afloat until Deshaun comes back. I mean, that's almost even written off as well. Right. So what does it look like now? And can you kind of give us everybody an update uh, on what, you know, the situation is with him returning to practice timelines and things like that? Yeah. I mean, it absolutely was just keep the boat afloat. And, and again, going into the season, I had felt, Hey, you know, Jacoby's probably going to be the weak link here. He's he, and this is why the Browns made the trade for Deshaun Watson, giving up those six draft picks, three of those first rounders, breaking out the checkbook, 230 million fully guaranteed over five years. The criticisms that they have taken publicly uh, because of uh, the civil lawsuits that were filed against Deshaun, the 11 game disciplinary settlement with the league, $5 million fine. Like it was just keep the boat afloat until this guy gets back. And then he's going to be the, I don't want to say savior, but he was the missing piece, right? Baker was the problem last year. Quarterback play was the problem last year. Had they had 
you know, better quarterback play. They would have won more games and made the playoffs and things like that. Now you have people talking themselves into, well, you know, if Deshaun had started some of these games early in the season, those four losses by one, two or three points that they have on the schedule. Well, Deshaun wins those games. He would have been the difference maker. And I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, well, okay, that that's reasonable to say. Jacoby didn't stink to join up in those games either. Like he had done his part. Uh, as far as Watson's timeline goes, he started practice on Wednesday. Uh, that was his first practice since August 30th. Quite frankly, he threw the football on air. Okay. That that's what we got to see. Um, uh, what I observed, he was the third or fourth quarterback taking reps. Basically he was the last guy in line. And that's why the video I posted uh, sarcastically, I said, here's your Deshaun Watson throwing footballs video. Y'all been just, you know, begging to see for the last couple of months here is literally him throwing the ball and you see him running to the other end of the field where he throw, you know, take his turn, throw it back the other way, run back down the field, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Um, he's in line to be fully reinstated November 28th. And then he will start December 4th, the ultimate troll job by the NFL. Yeah. Yep. Houston against his former team. Yeah. Uh, Texans. So uh, he's close uh, two more weeks. Uh, you know, they got the bills. And then of course the, the Buccaneers will follow. And then uh, the Deshaun Watson era officially begins. And I just want to say, tell everybody you can find that video at right or wrong FAN on Twitter. But of course, Daryl is the host of it's always game day in Cleveland. And he joins us here on it's always game day in Buffalo. I don't know what you guys are talking about. That was just a coincidence that he was coming back against the Texans. <laughs> it had nothing to do with any of that. Daryl, why is the defense struggling? Because there's a lot of big names on the defense. And I was of the belief going into the season. Obviously, I'm a lot more far removed than most people. But I'm like, wow, the Browns got a good defense. If Jacoby Brissett can kind of just be okay, they probably can still be in it at the end of the year. But it feels like they've lost a lot of games, not because of the offense, but because of the defense. 100%. Um I don't know why the defense is struggling to be perfectly honest with you. I'd love to just sit here and run down like the, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. Cause it's everything. One week, it's the run defense. The next week, it's miscommunication. The next week, it's uh, assignments. The next week, it's uh, technique. They're calling it. And I put that in quote, air quote, yeah. you know, which is translation. Somebody keeps screwing up. Um, so I, and Joe Woods has come under a tremendous amount of heat and, and I've actually kind of been a defender of Joe Woods. Like, look, he can't go out there and be where the all 11 guys are supposed to be. It's easy to blame him and say, fire him, but who the hell on the staff's going to take over the defense the rest of the way. And who's going to do a better job? Like, okay. Did Joe Woods suck calling the game against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? Like the Browns are like one of the few teams that have actually been able to at least keep Lamar and the Ravens in check. He only completed nine passes. I know the Browns lost by a field goal, but like, I just, uh, the Bengals game, Joe Burrow lights the league up, not against the Browns at just 13, uh, you know, 13 points uh, on Halloween there. So I, I just, I'm not of the notion that Joe Woods is this moron and he can't call games. I think these guys are playing a, these big names. They're all playing individual football and individual football is not winning football. Um, it's, it's just boring bill Belichick cliche stuff, but it's true. You got to do your one eleventh. You got to do your job. Just focus on yourself and trust that those around you are going to do your job. And I, I just, I think that there's not a lot of trust on that side of the ball that people around them are going to do their job. And that's why early in the season, all these blown coverage was we, we would see in the secondary and every week it was a new, Oh, well, communication. Well, we got the communication fixed. It's all squared away. <laughs> and then they blow more coverage. Well, that's technique. That's not communication. We fixed that. It's technique. Well, either way, people are screwing up and you're giving up big plays. So, and, and now the run game has just gone to hell and that's twofold. One, they've lost two linebackers, uh, Jacob Phillips, torn peck, uh, and then uh, Anthony Walker uh, tore a bicep tendon. Uh, in uh, week three against the Steelers, it was a Thursday night game uh, when he got stepped on. And so that's a big loss. And the reason that's a big loss is because they got a lot of inexperience at the defensive tackle. And that is an area that Andrew Barry, the EVP GM thought, oh, well, we're, we'll be fine. We're just going to get through this year. Part of the team building draft developed type deal with some of those guys. And they 
don't have a line of defensive tackle. And that's why they're giving up the yardage. You see, they're starting to give up on the ground. What about in the, in the secondary, as far as just the talent, like it seems like they have some talented players. You talk about technique and communication, all these things they blame it on, but it seems like they have the talent that they should not have those issues. hundred percent. This is not a team. And this is my greatest criticism of them. This is not a team that's in rebuild mode. And the other problem that they're going to have looking big picture, I know you're asking specifically right now, but big picture problem they have is, is they don't have first round picks for a couple more years. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they, they went all in with this roster because Deshaun Watson was the missing piece. And they, you know, they invested in John Johnson, bringing him over from uh, the Rams, Uh, Denzel Ward, giving him a hundred million dollar contract extension, their 2018 fourth round pick, which I agree with. I think when he's healthy, he's one of the best corners uh, in the NFL. Miles Garrett, who is now the, at least, on paper, officially, uh, the all-time sack leader for the franchise in just his uh, was sixth, seventh year, something like that. Sixth year, I believe. For him, he was drafted first overall in 2017. Um, so, the, uh, Jadavian Clowney on the other side. Those those two guys, like, I didn't, I don't even know if they played in Miami. Like, I didn't even <laughs> notice them. Uh, and um, that's not the part, like, that's just the reality. Like they, they barely register in the box score, just uh, a couple of tackles uh, between them combined. And that just isn't going to get it done. So, yeah, I mean, they got some names, they got some players, but names and players on paper don't always win games. And I think that the, you know, the Browns are kind of finding that out the hard way. Daryl understanding that we don't really know how to predict the weather and what it's going to be like on Sunday at Highmark stadium. How do the Browns come in and win this game? What do they got to do to leave with a win? Turn and hand the ball to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. There you go. Which, oh, by the way, is how the Bills are probably going to have to win too. I I mean, going back to that uh, that snowball in 2007, I I think the Bills threw it like 33 times in that game. And the wind was just howling and whipping around and stuff like that. I mean, it's just... It's just common sense. When it's windy, you don't try and throw the football much. And especially if there's inches or what is forecasted feet of snow on the ground. It was funny. A national reporter came to town uh, and was uh, talking to him uh, today. And they're, they're speaking about the, the forecast. And they're like, yeah, I'm not used to snow. So how much is a lot? And I said, well, when they stop saying inches and they start forecasting feet, <laughs> that's right. That's bad. Yes, it is. <laughs> I yeah, said, no. just, and they just looked at me with the, you know, like, okay, kiss my, yeah. you know, you know, no smart, you smart ass. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm just telling you like, well, they, they deal 68 inches. You can work when they say 68 feet, you got a problem. So don't even know if you guys are going to be able to host this game. Right. I mean, that, that would be my, you know, my thing is, is what on earth happens if uh, the town has to, you right. know, or something like that, just because of, uh, I mean, I realized that the NFL takes priority over anything. Oh my gosh. Game, no. no matter what town you're I mean, in. We stop. We, we know you, you've, um, you know, I'm on the charter for the team and I mean, it's police escorts and stopping traffic, no matter what city you go to, right. The NFL does take precedent, but yeah, if Orchard park decides like we can't get essential services to the stadium, we can't get security to the stadium. We can't plow. I don't know what the answer is. And I don't know what's going to happen as we sit here today, as we record this, by the way, everybody just to be transparent Wednesday night, um, still nothing other than game Sunday in Orchard Park at 1 p.m. I wonder if they could move it down a little bit later in the day if they have to clear the streets and um, get people in there. But it is something we're monitoring, something we'll be on top of. Um, Daryl, you talk about Chubb and Hunt. They are so good. I mean, the run game has been what they've leaned on. These guys are so talented. I did look. It doesn't look like they're necessarily as productive in the run game as of late. Is that just because of score effect? They've had to throw the ball a little bit more? That and the head coach who's calling the plays. <laughs> Explain, buddy. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't fault him for Sunday in Miami just because that thing got out of hand there in the second half. So, you know, Nick Chubb comes out of that game with five, uh, 11 carries. I think uh, Hunt had f- uh, five or six carries, but less than 10 yards total. Um, so they have been a, that was one of the rare instances. And part of the issue in the run game was the offensive line. Um, Jedrick Wills had a tough day. The the left tackle, Jack Conklin, the right tackle got dinged up a little bit. Wyatt Teller, who had missed a couple of games with a calf injury. He had returned, was out by the second quarter because he re-aggravated it or something. So then they, they had to uh, bring someone off the bench who was part of their jumbo package. His uh, name is uh, Yelda Froholt. Uh, they, they, they threw him in there for Wyatt. 
And, you know, he did a nice job filling it, but Miami was physical and kicked their butt on both sides of the ball at the line of scrimmage. And so when the the defense is hitting those gaps and, and physical up front and getting that type of penetration, I mean, that's one of the few games where you saw Nick Chubb getting hit and tackled on the, you know, first contact. Uh, so it, it was tough sledding in Miami, but overall, like that was the first time I would say in a long time where you, you were watching like, damn, Nick Chubb just is getting nothing today. Uh, he did, you know, ha- you know, s- sneak out uh, for a touchdown, but overall I credit Miami uh, for taking advantage of, uh, you know, the, the Browns offensive line, which was less than a hundred percent. Wyatt Teller is the one that got away. Yeah. Wyatt Teller is the one that got away, man. Everybody in Buffalo is still just befuddled that they ever traded that guy. John Dorsey stole him from you guys. I think it was like a seventh round pick that the Browns gave the bills for him. And I remember at the time when that trade was made, I was like, okay, I'm just bringing in some offensive line depth, seventh round pick, whatever I get. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden this dude turns into a pro bowler. You're seeing him on, you know, I, I'd be, you know, going back and watching the games and be like, holy crap, this guy's like pulling. And not only is he pulling, but he's taken out like one, two, three, four, five guys. A play. I'm just like, damn. <laughs> How is he as a pass blocker, Daryl? He's, 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 he's pretty good. Um, you know, a lot of the, the, the pressure on Jacoby Brissett has come from the edges. It's yeah. not come from the interior of the line. It, well, I think I, the reason I ask is, but not yeah. on a consistent. well, the reason I ask is I think that, and, and I'm of this belief, but I think of course, why tell her, you'd love to have him in Buffalo still. I don't think he'd be what he is here that he is there because it's no. Josh Allen and throwing the football around and you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's pass protection. It's not, it's not a, you know, pound it run game and maul you, which is great. You know, it'd be great to have him, but I just don't think he would have been the same fit in this system. Well, and, and again, the, the Browns have uh, the hybrid of that Shanahan wide zone blocking yeah. and where pulling is just so important. Him and Joel Batonio, I think are two of the best guards in the NFL. It's, it, you know, obviously playing offensive line is, is, is difficult. So don't, don't misconstrue right. what I'm about to say, but it, you know, it, it's much easier if all you got to do is just kind of come out of your stance and block the guy in front of you or, you know, seal your gaps, right? Your A or B gaps. But it's hard when you're having to come up, maybe pop a guy to slow him up, and then you retreat so you can pull to the opposite side, find what gap you're supposed to fill because Chubb or Hunt or somebody else or the play, Brissett, or, you know, it's coming in your direction. And now your job is basically to be an escort and plow the road. And you're right. The bills don't do anything like that. And Teller's athleticism really allows him to do that again, as well as we see Joel Batonio do it. And look, I think Batonio, if he stays on his current path, I think he potentially could be a hall of famer someday and Teller, if he is able to, cause he just got a contract extension last year from the Browns. If he's able to have some longevity with his career, and be a perennial pro bowler like Petonio, maybe hall of fame ends up in the conversation as well, but there's a long, you know, he, sure. he, there's a long way to go with that, but to make bills fan feel a little bit better about losing a guy like that. When you look, when I watch Buffalo and obviously you guys are there, so you, 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 you know, better and you've alluded to it, but when I watch Buffalo, they don't do a lot of pulling. They, it, there's not a lot of zone uh, scheme there. It is just straight up pass protection, straight up basic run blocking. And, you know, I, I don't know how, uh, you know, right. why Keller would fit in that type of a, a scheme. Daryl, last one for me. I mean, we, like we said earlier, we have no idea what kind of impact the weather is going to have on this game. Do uh, we we'll, noted? We, yeah. Sal and I are going to get there, but what do you think happens? Like, what are you predicting for this game? What are you anticipating happens? I'm predicting the thing gets moved. Oh, I mean, um, I, I am predicting that there's going to be a lot of snow. Um, hopefully Bill's fan comes out and gets that field cleared off for everybody. And then it just snows like hell again on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it, it, it's, I love snow games. I, I think that they're great. Uh, obviously I certainly respect all the responders and, and people that have to kind of deal with it and make it safe for everybody. But I just think that those games are fun. 
to play yep. in. Um, and it's also kind of like the great equalizer. I, what I'm interested in with Josh Allen's arm is how he's going to be able to maybe to de- deal with if it's windy, you know what I'm saying? How strong is yeah. the arm going to be thrown into the wind? But yeah, I, I, I favor the home team in that regard, just because you guys play in snow, those type of games more often mm-hmm. than the Browns do uh, talking to Browns players in the locker room, Nick Chubb. He's like, I used to watch that stuff on TV and I've been dying to play in one. So I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Jacoby. We asked him, uh, I asked him today how he prepares as a quarterback. He goes, hell, if I know I'm from Florida, <laughs> Yeah, but he played, he played in the 2017 snow game here. He and, did. And, and, and he made it very clear. Do not ask him about the results of the game. Cause the bills won <laughs> that game 13 right. to seven. I looked it up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah. So it, it, I, I think that there's a little bit of a, an advantage there for the bills if they do play in the snow, but the Browns to win it, it's gotta be with their run game. Cause I, I just, any game that Jacoby Brissett is forced to get into some sort of a right passing throwdown showdown with that's just not who Jacoby Brissett is. The Browns are a very deliberate ball control style of offense. That's when they are at their best. They can get explosive plays. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I think if it's a snow game, it, it, it favors Buffalo because it's just that home field advantage. All right. Darryl, well, if you like, go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I just hope that it's nice and toasty in the press box guys. <laughs> I'll be down in the field. So Daryl, quick story. So um, in 2017, the bills played this snow game, Joe Kobe Brissett and all that. And I'm down in the field. It was so bad. I couldn't see in front of me because the, the, snow was hitting my eyeballs, you know, coming sideways. So I had to kind of put my hands in front of me. So after that game, you know what you need to do right now, then, right? No, after that game, make sure you have goggles. I bought ski goggles after the game and I've been, they've been sitting in my house for five years. And the only time I've ever used them is going sledding with my son. That's it. I've never, I don't ski. So I'm going to have my ski goggles ready. So when you see me, when you get there, by the way, safe travels in, I hope you get here. Okay. Hope everything's okay. When you get here though, you will see me in my ski goggles down in the field, I think. So we'll have to <laughs> see that and you'll, uh, you'll be a part of that. hope you get here. Okay. And everybody does though, for sure. I'm, I'm expecting lots of pictures of you and your ski. goggles. <laughs> you'll see him by the way, if you like snow games, which you said you do watching it on TV, we said we're here on Wednesday night. Now that we're done, go watch Western Michigan, central Michigan. It is the warm up and tune up for bills. Browns go see it on TV right now. Daryl, thanks for doing this, buddy. We appreciate it at writer wrong FAN on Twitter host of it's always game day in Cleveland. Of course, the fan in Cleveland and Odyssey sister station. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball has been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Welcome back, everybody. That was Daryl. We appreciate him taking the time to join us. Sal, we've got some questions on Twitter, as we usually do to finish out these Wednesday podcasts. This one comes from Joe in RI. I'm assuming that's Rhode Island. On a scale of one to wide right, where does the Vikings loss fall? I mean, two. (laughs) It's not even maybe like three or four. It's Uh a horrible way to lose. Yes. It's not a season ender. Mm-hmm. It's not for the, it's not a playoff game. It's not a Super Bowl, right? I mean, yeah, it's a horrible like way to lose, but it's an NFC team. You're still six and three. There's so many like big picture things you take out of it. Now, if they like lose the one seed by one game, maybe it hurts a little bit more. Maybe it stings a little bit more. That's the way I look at it. Like it was a horrible gut punch. We're here on Wednesday though, Matt, and we're talking about another game. Yeah, I agree. All right. This one is from Kyle out of every game you both have covered. What's one of the best memories events that happened, not related to the actual game itself. I thought that was a really interesting, cool question. So you have a favorite memory from a game that isn't necessary or from maybe the, the trip or from the weekend or anything like that, that stands out. 
Um, have you thought about this? Give me a second to think if you already have one. Yeah. Well, one of mine is my first year as sports director at channel seven. It was the bills home opener. I think it was week three against the Bengals, And I was able to bring my parents on the field before the game. And that was really, really cool to kind of have that experience with them just to be able to like have them kind of in my world for a little bit and also have them get to experience that. It was just a really, really special moment. And I've loved a lot of the trips that we've been able to take. And I know a lot of that centers around the game. I loved the Seattle Monday night football game. I think that was in 2015, 2016. That game was awesome. Going to London was incredible the year that they played in London and just that that was so cool. That that's another story. So like I watched an Arsenal Everton game at a pub right next to the stadium where Arsenal plays and mm-hmm. actually ran into Jeremy White there. Ah, not pl- not nice. planned. He just happened to be there and that was cool to kind of experience that side of things. So th- those are some of the things that stand out for me. Uh for sure. Like those kinds of trips are awesome. Um Bill Whippert, the Buffalo Bills team photographer and I got to see Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden on a Jets that's trip cool. one time. So we decided, let's, let's go do that. Um, you know, so we've hit some cool little pubs once in a while you go out, you, you have some friends. I've seen some friends on the road on trips. That's really been great for me to just kind of connect with some, you know, college friends that I haven't seen in a while. Hey, I'm going to be in this town, but I will tell you an event in a game was the fight against Jacksonville because I was literally <sighs> pushed against the wall by Leonard Fournette and Shaq Lawson going at it. Yeah, I was right in there too. That was awesome. I remember yeah. like my can- I was right in I've never had that much <laughs> adrenaline on the sideline of an game. It was so cool. All right, let's go. A lot of these questions are about like McDermott and what it would take. So there's a couple of them here. So I'm gonna lump them together. And these questions are like, what would it take for Sean McDermott to not be the head coach of the Buffalo Bills? So um I think the answer here is a little complicated. I think it would take some sort of internal strife. I don't think it would take like a certain loss, a record. Now, if let's say 13 seconds repeats itself in some way in the playoffs, I think there's a conversation. Like, do we have the right coach here? I mean, what happened last year was brutal. If it happened again, you have to think, oh my God, like you can't let this keep happening. And obviously there's a pattern. I still don't even know if that would do it. I think it would take some sort of power struggle, internal strife, not getting along, major differences of philosophy with Brandon Bean, um, the front office staff, ownership. I think that's what it would take. And that's why I don't see it happening. I don't see it. Even if those other, even if those things on the field were to happen, unless you string together multiple, like bad NFL seasons, I just don't see it. I'm talking about even this year. Like if you're talking about long-term, yeah, I mean, I mean, long-term that like, if you, if they miss the playoffs for a couple of years with Josh Allen at quarterback, that's a, that's a discussion. Yeah. But I just don't see it getting to that point, at least anytime soon. Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, Sean Payton's the next head coach of the bills. And I'm like, okay, yeah. let's pump the brakes here. Like I understand that Sean McDermott and any NFL coach has their flaws, but it wasn't that long ago that this team was on a 17 year playoff drought. So let's, let's uh, pump the brakes a little bit here. Uh, this is from Aiden. Can Josh go a game without any interceptions? Of course he can. I know. I mean, he's done it many times in his career. Stop it. Many times this year, even. Yes. So, Stop, I, I, Aiden. Stop. Come on. You're living in the moment, man. Yeah. This is from Alex. A lot of people have asked this, though, so I feel like we should just ask, answer it again anyway. Is the game going to be in Detroit? I just don't <laughs> see it happening. Me neither. I just don't know when they could do it. If they weren't playing Thanksgiving, I would give it much more of a possibility. Okay. That's interesting. A couple other questions from people just about Dean Marlowe and Naheem Hines and their lack of, I guess, playing time, quite frankly, and what we make of it. I can start at least with Hines. I don't, I don't get it at all, at all. It just doesn't make sense to me. You talk about even Josh on Wednesday was like screen passes and short passes and checkdowns. That can be our run game. That can be effective. That's what Naheem Hines is good at. Like that is why you went out and you traded for him. I just don't understand why he's not on the field offensively. It's not like what you've been doing has been lighting people up and also kind of spare me the whole Oh, it takes a while to get acclimated because it didn't take TJ Hawkinson very long to get acclimated with the Vikings. Christian and McCaffrey. Was, and Christian McCaffrey, like those guys have been really utilized by their new team. So I just don't understand it. With Marlowe, Frazier kind of alluded to the same thing, and so did Sean McDermott, the acclimation period. Frazier also said, look, is even though he was here, the system's the same. You know, he wasn't another system. He comes back. We have some different things. I would tell you this though. I think it might just because it's not his role. They got him to be more of insurance and a backup. And I don't think they got him to be a starter and he hasn't been here. And they felt like, like 
I don't know if he would have been in a position where Cam Lewis was. I think he's more, he resembles more of what Dean of uh, DeMar Hamlin is right. Like more of a strong safety coming up against the run box safety. Whereas to me, I think they needed somebody more in the role of like what Cam Lewis played. I don't think that's a fit to have Marlowe on the field with Hamlin and you got to have Hamlin on the field. So I think that's part of the reason why we haven't seen that. I agree. Let's do one more question and then we'll get to our predictions for the game. This is from Adam. I think he's asked us a couple times, so I'm glad we're getting to it now. Who's got the better, better perk you being indoors, having a meal at home or self line straight back with the team on the road. I have my answer. I would like to get yours as well. Okay. So why don't you give me yours? Because I've experienced both you by a mile and it's not even close for me. The idea of on a road trip, being back that night, even if it's late into the night is the most unbelievable thought ever, because a lot of times, so we do a channel seven show every Monday. So basically I have to be back into Buffalo by Monday afternoon at the latest. So I can prepare, get ready, do all of the work for the show, which usually means I'm waking up at six, five, four in the morning and trying to get out on the first flight. So when you take into account, by the time we're done with work, it's eight, nine o'clock. Then by the time we record the podcast, it's nine, 10 o'clock. Then it's like, okay, well, you're getting like four hours of sleep in a hotel. Then you're waking up, you're going to the airport, and then you're traveling back for six or seven hours. And by the way, for people who are listening to this, I don't know how much people travel if they've traveled as much because of COVID, not enough, whatever. It's very difficult to get direct flights out of Buffalo these days. It very rarely happens unless you're going to like select places that have just nonstop direct flights back and forth. There's a lot of places the bills go that don't offer direct flights. So it's a long day. It's not just like, Oh, hop on a plane, fly back two hours. You're in Buffalo. It's like, Oh, go to this place then stop at BWI. And then you're back in Buffalo. So yeah, the, you getting back Sunday night is such a nice perk. Okay. We could, we could make like a whole podcast out of this. This is great. I love this kind of this conversation. It is me. There's no doubt. I've experienced both and I'll tell you why in a minute, but I do have a question. Do you, you're only thinking of Sunday one o'clock games. So after a Sunday night game, let's say in Kansas city or a Mm -hmm. Sunday night game on the West West coast Thursday night against the Rams, like the team charter flies right back. And we don't like, we're flying through the night. You got to get back and you land here three, four in the morning, would you still rather do that than give yourself a chance to sleep and then come back the next day? A hundred percent. No questions asked, especially because of the ease that it's done with. And I'm not like you leave the locker room, you do your work, you get on a bus and then they put you on a plane and it's a police escort to the airport. That's what I mean. It's not like you're getting a new rental car and you're dropping it off at the garage and you're running through the airport with your luggage. It's okay. And also, too, I want to add this. Sal is on the sideline. I'm in the press box. Obviously, the press box is cushy. There's good food. It's warm. All of these things. It is so much more fun being on the field. The first five years I covered the team, I shot the games on the sideline. And that is 100 times more enjoyable than sitting in the press box during a game. Yeah. And look, the travel part of it, it, we could not travel during COVID. Mm-hmm. All right. And then the year after that we traveled, but did it commercially. So mm-hmm. I experienced traveling commercially. And I will tell you the one big thing that was great about that was I got to book all my travel and keep all my miles. And then I just got uh-huh. reimbursed by my station. So that was amazing, but Oh my God, I could not wait to get back on the team plane back on the team charter because everything that we just talked about is correct. And honestly, it's not just flying on the team plane. Everybody says, Oh, it's so cool. You're with the players. Yeah. I mean, but they're doing their thing. I'm not allowed to like go up to them and start talking to Josh Allen. That's not how it works. What is important to me is what you just said. It's the logistics of getting to and from places. We land at the airport, get on a bus and get driven to a hotel. You go from the hotel, you get on a bus and get driven to the stadium. You go from the stadium, get driven to the airport. And it's all with police escorts and making sure you're there. And there's nothing you, I mean, you don't have to worry about anything. It's all kind of done for you in sequence. And it's so much better and so much easier. Um, I absolutely prefer it. The only perk that you do have that I would say is better. It doesn't have to be better, but generally can be and generally is. You can go to cities a lot earlier. Like you can choose to go on a Saturday morning. That's a very good point that I didn't think of. I, I can't get there. We do not get there into the hotel until four o'clock the night before the game. I think it's a very good point by you. If you're going to a place that you really want to explore, 
I do think the advantage yes. maybe swings back a little bit to me because you could go in on a Friday night. You could go in on a Saturday morning and then you could have the entire day. If you're going to places that you've been a lot of times, and we've been very fortunate to do, if you're going to Miami, to New York, to Boston, we've been to Kansas city a bajillion yep. times now. Sure. Get there at four o'clock, whatever. But yeah, especially like places that, are fun places that you haven't been. There are a lot of cities that they travel to that I really enjoy kind of getting there Saturday morning, getting your work done and then having the day to explore. We could talk a lot more about this. It's a really fun topic and discussion because I think we peel back the curtain a little bit about our jobs and people really like when we do that. All right. We want to thank Daryl Ryder from the fan in Cleveland. Also the co-host of it's always game day in Cleveland. By the way, you can check out it's always game day in Cleveland. I'll be on talking about the bills on their podcast uh, with Daryl and Andy Baskin, Matt, let's see what happens, man. Keep everybody updated. Tell everybody where they need to go to stay on top of not only what's happening with the bills, but the weather this weekend. Yeah. It's WKBW.com for our weather forecasts. They have been working nonstop these last couple of days, trying to get prepared, trying to make sure that we are ready to go putting more people on the schedule, making sure that more resources are available because this is a big storm and everybody we want to make sure stays safe. Also, it's the first storm of the year. So people tend to be a little bit more excited, nervous, overly cautious, stressed out by the first storm because they haven't experienced one in a while. So it's a really crazy combination of first storm and also big storm. So I'm excited to see uh, what happens. I just hope everybody stays safe. My snowblower is ready. So we're good. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. My mom who just moved back from Florida texted me tonight and said, I guess we're getting a, a big snowstorm. I'm like, mom, I guess like, Oh my God. She said, yeah, our first one since being back. Yes. Good luck, mom. Good luck. I love right. it. And, and yeah, honestly, she grew up in Buffalo though. She's used to, yeah. it, but she has not been here for 20 years. Do you have a prediction for the game or is the weather just such a wild I, card? That it's I think the weather's such a wild card. So I would just say, I do think the bills should win this game. I mean, they're the better team. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I see if, if they were to lose would be, it's just, just snowy and they get pounded on and like couple- a Patriots game last year different, but like the Patriots game, the wind game. I mean, come on. We saw what they could do. It obviously plays a factor. We saw what they could do in the wild card round compared to that game. And it was night and day. So yeah, I mean, I do think a bad weather day evens this out a ton for the Browns. I'll say 2014 bills somewhere in there, because I think it'll be a lower scoring game because of the weather. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't even think there'll be touch or field goals. I was going to say like 21, 14, just because of, I I just don't see a lot of field goals getting made. Maybe I'll have, maybe we'll both be right. There should be one, be an extra point missed or something. That's all, (laughs) you know, there you go. I shouldn't say that Tyler Bass has a big streak going on. I don't want to jinx him. So uh, make sure we uh, keep, keep that uh, intact. All right, Matt. Thanks a lot. Have a great week and we'll talk to everybody next time. And it's always game day in Buffalo when we um, get back after it, after the bills and the Browns.